Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Oh, we got another great topic today, and I'm going to let um, Dr. Daniels bring the topic to us. And welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, good day to you and good day to everyone you know, that's out there listening or looking at us. You know, interesting um, conversation came about uh, in um, Bible study one night that I thought might be valuable. Was to you know consider on the podcast, um, and unfortunately, I wasn't in the Bible study, and that's why the answer to the question was never materialized. But it seems that the question was that you know the, the Bible speaks of two things that um, for some people uh, seems difficult to digest, right? right. In, in one part of the Bible, uh, Jesus said that um, uh, in speaking of divorce and marriage, he said that. Um, it was never intended for man to get divorced, that, that God allowed it because of the hardness of man's heart. So a part of the Mosaic law said that you could divorce a woman for certain things. And the reason why I said for the hardness of men's hearts is because that um, uh, if, if man, unfortunately, there was a time when it was not legal to divorce your wife. So men would find um, reasons to have them stoned to death. Wow. Uh, to, to, so that way they would give them that latitude to, re, you know, to remarry right. a younger model, you know, so to speak. Uh, and so he said it was not intended to do so. In fact, he said that if you do divorce your wife and she goes out and remarries, Jesus said, you really are causing her to commit adultery uh, because it was intended for her to be with you, uh, you know, forever. Right. Uh, and so, um, and, and, and then there's a, another a thing in the Bible where in, in, in Romans, the first chapter, where um, Paul says that, that, that there came a time when uh, men uh, did not see God the way God wanted himself to be seen. And because of that, they kind of walked away from the, the, the natural order of what God had designed for us to be like. And they decided to take things into their own hands. So he said that, that women lost the, you know, no longer use their bodies in a natural way and that men no longer use their bodies in a natural way. In fact, he said they were given to their own lustful nature, women with women and men with men. And so the Bible said that, you know, Paul said that according to God's will, that that's an abomination to the Lord. Right. So the question that came up uh, in the Bible to the class apparently was that, well, if, if the Bible thinks, says, you know, uh, that, um, Men ought not to be with men, not to be with women. Uh, then, and it also says that if you are divorced and you remarry, you commit adultery. Why is it that if both of those things are legal, because in the state of Virginia, it's legal to have same-sex marriage, right. and it's legal to marry, marry a divorced person. The question was, that why then do most pastors uh, that are Protestants and Catholics, I guess as well, uh, why did, then do they refuse to marry people who are, are the same sex? And they use a religious um, um, reasoning for that. You know, right. That's kind of so. That was that was a really the basic question. You know, why is that? Uh, and and while the answer is kind of complicated, it may be hard for some people to digest. Right. You know, um, and and so um, I, you know m most. Most most Baptist preachers that I know um, will marry a person who's been divorced. You know, there's some that won't, but right. most I know will. Most Baptist preachers I know 
uh, and most Pentecostal preachers I know will do that, but they will not marry same-sex couples. You know, the Episcopal Church will, uh, by and large, but most of them don't. Uh, now, I can't speak for every one of them, but I can speak for the general doctrinal issues that have come about. Right. And, you know, <clears throat> the, the issue is simple in a sense, right? And that Jesus said that everyone cannot take that word. He said, let him who has a ear, let him hear. And that for those that can take it, that they can take it, you know, just like with Moses. So his point was being to let people understand that this is what God's perfect will is, but recognizing that everyone does not get into God's perfect will because we all make mistakes. Right. So he was saying that since people do make mistakes, he was giving us what was perfectly sound for people to do, which was if you marry, it's for life. You know, you don't give up on your relationship. But he was also saying that he understood that everybody could not accept that. So therefore he was saying that's why the Mosaic law had that out. And so he was telling us that that similar thing affects us. So what that essentially says then is that while it is not God's perfect will, it is all, but it is in God's permissive will uh, that, 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 that can take place. So the issue becomes is if I marry the person, then am I putting myself in a position to constantly go against where God wants me to be? And should, the, should anyone else be involved in that process? So, you know, um, since the Bible does, does somewhat allow for divorce, then that would suggest that, you know, um, because of how it was established that the pastor at that point would not be pushing you into a relationship that was um, an, an abhorrent thing to God, right. right? If the pastor pushes you into a relationship or, or, or somehow, I guess, is, is um, a part of establishing a relationship that, that is against where God says he doesn't want you to be in the present state, then that means he's putting you in a perpetual, perpetual place where you are going against God's will. So it's kind of like lying, let's say. Uh, everybody that I know lie. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Everybody I know lie. Well, there's one thing to lie one time, but it's one thing to live as a liar. Right. You know, and I think that is the issue. So does God forgive? Yes, no doubt God forgives. But if, if I am complicit, in helping you be a liar, then I am putting you in a bad position. If you tell one lie, then that's an, it's over with. It's a done deal. Right. And I think therein lies a difference. And I hope that that kind of makes sense. I know it's not as easily right. digested, but that's kind of the way it is. You know, the one thing that, that you mentioned about divorce is I didn't know that it was that serious. Like when you, the way you put it, I don't believe society looks at divorce now in 2019 as it being as serious as what you just put it as it is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, you know, that was, that was pretty heavy. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, I'm divorced myself. Mm -hmm. And of course, now I will admit when I got married the first time, I didn't look at it like how you just explained it. Cause if you, if I was, a, if it was explained to me like that, <laughs> I most likely would not have gotten married. The, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, because it's a, it's a serious ordeal, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's the thing I think, you know, you're right. Most people don't view it that way. And so 
no one has really any room, I guess, to look down on anybody. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because both people kind of put themselves in a difficult situation. And, and you know, unfortunately, I don't commit every scripture to memory. I'm older now, so my memory isn't great. But I'm just going to share with you what, what, what the Bible says. And this is in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, it have been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And so he's basically what, what Jesus is saying is that there's only one reason that justifies, a, you know, divorce. And that is if your wife, and note it says, for cause, except for the cause of fornication. So, so, and here's why. Fornication, based on a scripture, is when people have sex out of marriage, right? So what Jesus is saying is that, let's say that you go to marry a woman and you, in your mind, she's pure. She's a virgin, right? You marry her and you find out afterwards she lied to you. She was not pure. She was not a virgin. She fornicated prior to your relationship. Then that would give you the just reason to say, hey, listen, you falsified this document, you know, because because marriage is a con- contract, right? <clears throat> right. And if you enter into the contract on a false pretenses, you can void the contract. So that's what Jesus is saying. You can void the contract for that reason and, and for that reason only. And he's saying then if you divorce her without just cause, right, without the contract being void, and if you go back and get someone else, then you are committing adultery. Mm. And you also cause her to commit adultery if she go and find somebody. Right. Okay. Now, but here's what it says too. Now it says, again, you've heard that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear, thou shalt not perform often to the Lord's. And he goes down a, a long list of things, you know, but, but, he, and he, then he says unto them, basically this, that this saying, is not for everybody. He said, everybody can't take this saying. And so when he's saying that everybody can't take this saying, he's basically saying that, listen, I'm telling you, this is what God's perfect will is for you. Right? This is what the design was. Right. But recognizing that everybody don't follow the design, obviously, because we're not perfect people. And that's what forgiveness is all about. And that's why, you know, we have been forgiven of our transgressions and we have been forgiven of our um of, of, of our mistakes, you know, our past mistakes. Um, but, but there again, you know, um, when you think about it in that context, it it helps us to understand, I guess, um, like you say, the seriousness of marriage and why, you know, most pastors that tell people it's a serious matter, one not to be taken lightly, but most people that I know, um, no matter how much counseling you give them, get married for the wrong reasons. Mm. You know, they just right. do. Um, and, and I've told people this time and time again, but, you know, even, you know, but they don't like to accept it. The worst thing you can do is get married, married for love. Mm. That's the worst thing you can do. I'm not saying you shouldn't love the person that you marry. Right. I'm saying that should be, that should not be, the, the um, number one number one issue right while you're marrying them 
Because it's a contractual relationship. You should marry someone that makes you better. I'm better with you than I am without you. Right. Not only that, that you know that they have the temperament, and you know they have those qualities that they will keep making you better down through the years until the day you die. Right. Here's the thing. The reason why I say that is this. If you look at them in that way, then they become an asset to you. Mm-hmm. You don't throw away an asset. That's you right. will throw away a liability. Yeah. Right. Right. See, if a person is an asset, even if they make a mistake, you don't get rid of them. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. if they are a liability and they make a mistake, you get rid of them. Love has nothing to do with how I see you, whether or not you're an asset or a liability. Right. I can love you, and that might be why I see you as a liability. Yeah. Because you keep hurting my heart. You know. So it's it's like anything. You, you take a television, a car, any anything that you value. When it costs you more to keep it, you get rid of it. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. So, and that's why you know I tell people, you know, when they come into my study and they're talking about marriage and. I love, I love, I love, I love. I said, tell me why you love them. You know, right. what is it about them that makes you love them? Inevitably, what they talk about is how the person makes them feel. Yeah. And I say, well, you know, that doesn't tell me you love them. That tells me you love yourself mm-hmm. because you keep saying they make you feel good. They make you, they make you, they make you. And if they make you feel a certain way, you love you. Yeah. Basically more than you love them. If I love them, then it's what I can do for them, not what they can do for me. And, and so, again, you know, but if I take marriage seriously and I look at the way the Bible tells me to look at it, and that's how I go in. See, I go in, not I love you. I go in, how can I make you better? How can you make me better? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty deep. You know, there's a lot of people out there that need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some people that's currently married and looking at, like, why is it, you know, we've covered, covered the, you know, marriage relationship um, series. But it's people that's married now that's saying, what is going wrong? Where did things veer off, you know, to the left? You know, and you would talk about intimacy and things like that. And you hit another one just now, which is what value are you bringing to the other person? You know, what are you bringing to the other person? You know, because we talk, you're talking about love. Love is expressed in so many different ways, but it's like, what value are you bringing? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, you know, if you're the old school player bringing things, material things, that, that doesn't have any weight to it. It's going to dissipate after a while. You know, what type of value, like, like you said, the person, how you making them feel, but if you're giving them something and then they're giving in return, right. That is really what intimacy really is. Give and take in both people together, you know. Absolutely. So now the the question at hand was if you're allowed to marry, if a, if a pastor, most pastors will marry divorce, a person that's been divorced and remarry them, but will not marry a same sex couple. What is really the difference if both of them have sinned in a certain way? Well, you know, there's a, 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 the difference, I guess, is this. It's not so much that they have sinned. It's are you helping them to continually be in a sinful relationship? 
Gotcha. I think that's the thing. Paul said that um, if you cannot contain, he said, it's better to marry than to burn. And what Paul was driving at is that, you know, if, if, if knowing that people have, have a sex drive, I mean, that's the right. bottom line. You got, right. you have a sex drive. And so Paul says that it is better to go ahead and, and unite the person than to leave them in a situation where, you know, they continue to fornicate, so forth and so on. His point being that he, he looked at what Jesus said. And he said, he noticed that Jesus said that everyone can't take this saying. So if he's saying everyone can't take this saying, he's noting, I'm telling you what God's perfect will is for you. Right. You know, but understanding that everybody is not going to fit that perfect design because we are not perfect beings. Right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, it doesn't mean he wants you to do a certain thing. He's just saying, I understand that you will do a certain thing. So it will inhibit your blessings, you know, so, so to speak. But now when you look at, um, uh, the, the, if you take the other road, for example, and you say, well, okay, well, if you do that, why won't you marry people of the same sex? And I'm going to just give you an idea of, um, of, of, of why, you know, most pastors take their view is if you look at, and I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you, as I said, I don't keep everything, I don't keep everything memorized. But, uh, but if you, if you, if you consider, um, Romans, here's what it says. It says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. That's these simple people who understand God, understand religion, um, but they don't see God the way God wants to be seen. That's what it's saying. Neither were thankful because vain in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And those are those people he's saying that made God uh, idol worshipers. They made idols unto God. Right. Right. Then he says, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies within themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise also the man, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their own lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves their recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So what Paul says here in Romans is that the anatomy of man and women or mankind dictate why God made them. Right. He made them, you know, that way purposefully. He could have made all men. He could have made all women. He could have made asexual beings. He made men a certain way for a reason. So what Paul says is that in addition to that, and he's relating back to scripture, you know, uh, Old Testament scripture, where he says that because of that, um, 
the natural use of your sexual being, you know, because in nature, sex is used uh, as a manner of reproduction, just like it's used for a manner of pleasure. Right. But the primary reason is for reproduction. Right. So the natural use is for reproduction. So he says that if people, when people are engaged in sexual, in a way that's not natural, that's why I say the women, you know, did not use their bodies in a natural way and that they're not, uh, they're not being sexual with men, but they're being sexual with women. He said, that's not natural because you cannot reproduce that way. He says, men likewise being with other men. That's not natural because you can't reproduce that way. Right. He said, because, um, their desire, their lustful desire to do that was so great that they changed how they viewed God. And in changing how they viewed God, their, their thought process was, it's okay because God loves me enough to look beyond me going against his will. He does love you. There's no doubt. And I don't want anyone to think that God does not love them. Right. He does love you just like he loves the liar, just like he loves, you know, the fornicator. It's like he loves the thief. It's like he loves the murderer. See, the issue is not whether or not God loves you. The issue is not whether or not God, you know, ever loves you. Right. The issue is, I know God loves a liar, right? The question is, am I going to help that person lie? Right. See, right. That's the issue. Right. I know God loves the murderer. You know, he forgives the murderer, but am I going to help you to murder? Right. You know, see, that's the issue. So I think some people, they get caught up in, that's why he said, they, they looked at the creature more than the creator because what they is, what people start to say is the creation, the creature is more important than the creator. So they will say, well, wh- well, why are you not looking at me? Why are you trying to da- put me down? You, we are the creature. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm holding my creator and my love of him because that's who created me. Right. So I won't help anybody sin. <laughs> Right. It don't mean I don't love you. Right. It don't mean I don't accept you. I right. do accept you. Right. And right. God accepts you. Right. I just won't, I can't help, I won't help you sin. You know, and I, and I say this, and again, you know, I don't want to keep, you know, um, quoting scripture because I know folk be like, well, you know, um, uh, can you um, just uh, talk without acting like you so holy? <laughs> but, but I want you to know this is not my idea. Right. Okay. So, so let me just explain why I say I know God loves you. Okay, and who you are, he loves you. This what this what Proverbs says, and this is the Bible helping us to understand how God views us in general. Okay, it says these six things doth the Lord hate; yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. Right, so it's t- as point blank is saying, if you want to categorize what sins God really, really detests, this is it. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that are swift running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, hmm. and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Those are the things that he hates yeah, the most. You can repeat right? them last two again. Right? I mean, <laughs> but think about it. Look at, see, look, this is the thing. A lying tongue is in there. And a mm-hmm. false witness is in there, right? That, that, that's in there twice, okay? Right. Feet that are swift running to mischief, and he that soweth discord among the brethren in there twice. 
So that those are two concepts that are in there twice, right? Right. Hands that shed innocent blood, right? And a heart that devises wicked imaginations. So if you were to look at those things and say, well, which groupings to seem to be the ones that God hate the most? And it is liars. Right. And folk that's always stirring up mess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, th- see, those are the two that it, from the scripture it says he hate the most. We seem to categorize sin as if these are the worst ones. Now it does say what? Hands that shed innocent blood, which means what? A, a murderer that, hit, that, that kills without justifiable cause, right. biblically, God got a problem with. But some of the things that we think are the worst things in the world, the Bible does not hold those to be as great an issue as we hold them to be. Right. You know? And so I say that because um, <laughs> if you were to categorize them, which you can't because the Bible says all sin is equal. If you were to categorize them, you had to put lying mm-hmm. and stirring up God mess in the top of your list. Yeah. Saying these are the ones that's going to get me in hell the fastest. Right. Right. So if that be the case, that's what I'm saying. I won't help you lie. Right. You know, I just, I'm not going to do it. And just like I won't help you lie, I won't help you stir up mess. Yeah. You know, so I won't try to help you do anything that I think God got a problem with. But, you know, your lifestyle is not something that, for me, God hates you for. Yeah. He still loves you for your, he loves you. He may not appreciate how you conduct your life. Like, he doesn't appreciate the fornicator. Right. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love the fornicator. Right. You know, the, the funny thing is, and, um, you know, because I tell people all the time, you know, I, I am not a deacon. Okay. So the, the story I'm about to tell is I'm prefacing with that. Right. Sure. I tell people, like I tell my other guy friends, like if we're going to a club where people take off their clothes, okay. If we're going to a bachelor party, something like that. And, or and they'd be like, well, my wife don't know where I'm going. You know, can you make sure that your wife don't, I said, look, let me hold up. I said, pause. <laughs> my wife knows where I'm going. She knows what I'm doing. I'm not about to lie for you. If you don't have that type of relationship where you can tell your wife what you're about to go do, then you don't need to be where you're going. Right. Period. I said, if she would, now I'm not going to go volunteer the information, but if she come and ask me, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I'm just, it's just not me. You know, and you making that statement really brought that up to me. And then also, um, I cannot stand people who basically just flat out just lie on other people. And is in this was really amazing. That part of the Bible was written when? Uh Proverbs <laughs> probably about four thousand years. Ago. <laughs> right. So this is the problem going on four thousand years. Now there's two things I get from that, Pastor. One thing is if it couldn't be fixed 4,000 years ago, it's probably not going to get fixed in 2019 or 2020. So don't, it's going to happen and don't put too much thought into it when it happens and let it, let it be in God's hands when it does happen. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's no doubt. And, and, and you know, and I think that's the thing that we gotta, we, you know, we lose sight on, you know, Jesus said at one time, we strain at a gnat and swallow a camel, mm-hmm. you know, meaning that, you know, the little things you get all caught up in and the big things you let go. 
Um, someone asked me one time, and and I'm a, I'm 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 probably one of the more liberal pastors in my you know in, in the group that I, I associate. Someone once said to me, uh, Pastor Daniels, you know that it is well known that you are or friendly toward people with different lifestyles. Right. I said, yes, that's true. I, I am. And they said, so um, why is that? Because most black pastors um, are not friendly toward, you know, the LBGT community, but you seem to be. Right. And you seem to, you know, invite them to church and, you know, you love them and you care for them and you pray for them. And, you know, and I say, well, listen, you keep using the term them. <laughs> Right. You use the term them as if they are, you know, from another planet, you know, right. I say, but um, there's no difference between the LGBT community and any other community group of people. Right. Uh, you know, we have put those labels on them as if they are segregated, you know, right. But the Bible doesn't put that label on them as if they are segregated. And, and the crazy thing is you would, if you had a bunch of gang members in, in the church, nobody would, nobody would say anything. As a matter of fact, you'd be on TV getting an award for it. Well, and not only this, I just went through the sixth thing that God and the gay day <laughs> of seven that he hate. Right? right. Right. So what about the uh, LM community, the line meddlers? Right. Right. No one has come to me and said, well, Pastor Daniels, I understand that you, 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 you don't mind the line meddler community being a member of your church. <laughs> right. Every, every church I know got, got gobs and gobs and googles and gaggles of liars in it. Yes. And, and, the, and, and, and the churches are known for having a bunch of meddlers in it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And no one questions them. No one says, well, why you got that liar playing the organ? Right. Why you got that meddler singing the lead song? You know, that's not a question. So, you know, I, I, again, I, that's why Jesus said, you're straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. You, you welcome in the liar, but you say the lesbian ought to be put out. Right. <laughs> you know, you welcome in the gossiper, but you say that the, the person that's, that's you know, uh, 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 bisexual ought to be put out. And to me, that makes no sense. So that's why, you know, to me, I'm saying everyone should come. Everyone must come. You know, Again, I want to in, include the, the liar. I want to include the adulterer. I want to include the fornicator. I want to include all those people to come. I want to include the LGBTQ to come. Right. But that don't mean that I'm going to support the liar in their lying. But I right. still love them. And I still want them to be a part of the church and the ministry. And I want them to know God like I know God. Right. I still want the adulterer to come. But I'm not going to help you commit adultery. Gotcha. Because I love you and God loves you. I still want the LGBT community to come because I love them and God loves them. But I'm just not going to be, be complicit in helping you to do something I think is not pleasing to God. But it has to do with how much God loves you. Right. You know, I have children that don't do everything I tell them to do. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with how much I love them. Right. I still love them. Yeah. Now, switching gears, just a tad bit, because it's, it's now to 2019. How was this, how would this conversation have played out, say, 1985? I don't know if it's changed much. I'm going to be honest with you. (laughs) Really? With all the stuff that's happened with the LGBT um, community, Q on the end now, you know, has it not, is you saying in the church aspect of things, it really hasn't changed much? I don't think so. Um, I'll be honest with you. 
I mean, I can't speak for the, for the, um, the, you know, every church, but I can just tell you that in my experiences and talking with pastors and, and the conference that I belong to, um, it has always been a quiet, unwritten rule, you know, um, that a lot of churches don't want to own up, you know, or, or recognize that, that L, the LGBT community um, should be accepted just like any, anyone else in the church. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, for some reason, that has been a taboo. And I think it's been more of a taboo in the black church, I think, than, than the white church. You know, I say that because the Episcopal church has accepted it. As a matter of fact, you can be uh, gay and be a priest in the Episcopal church. Um, I was on a panel once to give you an example um, where we, this, this topic will discuss with, with community leaders and, and pastoral leaders and, and, and so forth and so on. And this young lady who was um, a, sergeant in the Virginia police department, she said something I thought was so impactful. She said, we have tried to help you all understand that we are created the way we are, that I was born this way. And she said, why would anybody make a choice to go through the hell that we go through? Mm. She said, when I came out of the closet, my father ostracized me, my mother ostracized me, and I'm even ostracized on the job. And the, the chief of police was in the, in the audience. Right. She said, and I hope now that I'm saying this publicly, I won't be ostracized anymore. Right. She said, why would I purposefully want to go through this pain? Because it is painful being in this body and operating the way I have to operate. Now, you know, I, 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 I can't, I don't, I've never been where she's at. I can't tell you how she's feel, but, but all I can say is, is that spoke volumes to me about how we look at people, you know, see, no one looks at a liar. It's like you said, as much as we detest liars, let's think about this for a second. Mm -hmm. As much as we detest liars, if a liar joins the church, no one says that person should not be there. Right. If a liar sings on the choir, nobody says that person should not sing. If a liar plays the organ, nobody says that person should get off the organ. We don't make that statement. Right. You know what I'm saying? But we do, and we have made those statements about people that have alternate lifestyles. You know, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to look down or talk bad about any pastor but, or any group. I'm just but saying, is it because I don't think that's changed. But is it because when the, when the liar, the, the, the thief join the church, isn't the assumption that they will stop lying and stop being a thief? So is that the same assumption for somebody that is practicing an alternate lifestyle when they join the church is supposed to stop doing that? Is that the disconnection? Well, let me put, let me say it with reality. Right. Okay. Cause we can, you know, <laughs> we, we can make it sound nice. Right. Okay? Right. It, obviously the, the, um, the position that we have taken is that, yes, you know, when you join the church and you get say, 
old things are passed away. Right. All things become as new. You're going to stop lying and you're going to stop fornicating. We know it ain't true. Right. We, we, you know, we know that's not true. Right. That's why I'm saying how hypocritical that all comes across, right? Right. But, 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 but you're right. That's what we say in our head. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. But if you are living an alternate lifestyle, it's never going to happen. Well, I'll say this. You're never going to stop lying. Right. I don't know anybody to stop lying. I'm not saying that there are people out there that, that have not stopped. There may be. I'm saying I don't know any <laughs> that haven't stopped lying. All right? right, right. In fact, the Bible says this. He who says he is not sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. So if I use it as my reality point, and I like to live in the world of you know, realism. If I use it as my reality. Then I have to conclude that simple statement. That you know what the bottom line is is that the liar don't stop lying, cheater doesn't stop cheating, right? You know, and so I'm not. My desire may be for them to do that, right? But am I going to condemn you because you don't do that? You know, let me let me share this right quick too, and you know, and I, again, since we you know we we're trying to keep it real, let me just drop this on on the folk right quick, and help people to understand something. Here's something else that Jesus said. And, and, and I, I add nothing to it and I take nothing away from it. He said, for God so loved the world. This is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's a key statement right there. It says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Right. But that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus said we swallow, we choke on the net and swallow the camel. We spend all of our time condemning people. Yep. <laughs> you know, but the Bible says that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn. He came to save. We should stop condemning and start trying to say, he says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Now that's a powerful statement. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. If I take that literally, that means when I believe on Christ, even though I do wrong, I'm not condemned. Right. It doesn't give me a license to do wrong. It just says, my wrong is forgiven, right? So if my wrong is forgiven, why do I classify which wrongs are forgiven and which wrongs are not forgiven? Good point. And then he laid out a little plan. It's like, okay, these are the ones I really don't want you to do. Right. <laughs> he just said, right. Right. He's letting you know these I hate. It's like, right. like you and your kids, right? Think about you and your children, right? Yep. You you don't you don't tell them every single thing that will bother you, but you will say, "Let me tell you something. <laughs> These are the ones. Yep. If you do X, Y, and Z, you're gonna get it. Right, right. I, see, that's what God did, did. You know, does did for us. He said, "These are the ones." So it, when I take it under that context, I have to ask myself a question. Well, if 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 the if the liar can keep coming. If all them folk can keep coming and 
if a cheater can keep coming, if the thief can keep coming, think about this, for example, the little stuff, right? Now, do we really think that Burger King wants you to take more than two napkins? <laughs> no, they I mean, don't. You know, they, they, right. I mean, do they want you to take a handful of ketchup? <laughs> do they want you to take a handful of sugar? And, right. You know, no, they don't. That's why sometimes they will say, how many, how many condiments do you want? Right. Yep. Right. Then you realize they give me five. Right. You know, then they, then they turn around and start charging you 25 cents. Right. Cause they didn't want you to do it. But if you go in on the walk in, so you can snatch as much as you want. Right. You get a drive through, they charge you for it. That takes it. They don't want you to get it. They want you to take what they have determined is the correct amount based on your meal. So if you take more than that, you have stole. Yep. Now, how many, how many good sanctified save folks, <laughs> you know, when they fill their pocketbook up, Right. You know, or people come in my office, for example, and have a dish of um, candy sitting there. And they, rather than taking one, they take a whole handful of put in their pocketbook. This is women mostly right. take a handful in their pocketbook. And sometimes I even say, uh, it's only one per person. Why are you taking all those? Oh, pastor in there, Starling. Oh, pastor, you know you don't need all these. I'm thinking myself, you just stole from me. Right. But they don't think about it that way. Mm. Yeah, you're right. But that's stealing. I don't intend for you to take these and take them, put them in your pocketbook so you can have them when you go to this, you know, right. around, you go buy yourself. Well, stealing is stealing. So, so their, their concept of stealing is what the Bible says in Romans when it says, you have changed the, the way God wants to be seen. See, in their minds, they have changed the way God wants to be seen. So their thought is, I'm not stealing. Mm-hmm. You're right. But they are stealing. Right. And it's no different than anyone else thinking that they are right when they are wrong. It's no different. All of us are wrong at various times, but think we are right. And that's why the scripture says in Romans that the spirit maketh intercession for us. Right. Because we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Because we just as crazy (laughs) as we can be. (laughs) Now, this this next question I know we were short on time here, and this might be kind of lengthy, but if you say this is lengthy and it's got a whole other episode, just let me know, then we can end it right here. Is there really somebody at the gates that's going to basically ask you about everything that you did wrong before you get in there, like, like make you justify or let you see everything that you have done wrong in your lifetime? Well, according to the scripture, the answer is, the short answer is no. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, we, 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 we like to act like that, you know, uh, one of the archangels is going to be there with a notebook. And right. And, you know, of course, maybe now it'd be an iPad. Right. A notebook, right? <laughs> but, you know, and checking out, say, do you remember back and like, or showing you on a screen? You right. Know? You remember right. when you did this? Remember when you did that? According to the Bible, um, our sins are not just forgiven, but our sins are forgotten. Gotcha. That's what the Bible says. There is one sin the Bible says it's not forgivable. Right. Not the one that people always say. You know, people say things like, well, uh, if you commit um, suicide, that's not forgivable. But the Bible doesn't say that. That's what we say. Mm. We want to put our own concept of God in right. the midst of it. In fact, that doesn't make sense when you think about how the scripture is set up. If you think about the Bible uh, in the way it really lays things out, literally, Jesus committed suicide. Mm. He did because he knew what was going to happen. Suicide is what? The taking of your own life. Right. Right? No matter how you do it. Right. Think, don't we say you can commit suicide by the police? Mm-hmm. You can do something so you can force them to shoot you. Yep. And we call it committing suicide. 
Right. Because anytime you do an act that you know will take your own life, that's suicide. Right. Jesus knew what he was doing would end up with his life being taken. He said, what? No one can take my life. Only I can do it. Right. He said, I am doing this. Right. Not anybody else. Right. So why would Jesus do something to sin? It, it, you know, when you think about it, it doesn't make sense. Another quick example. Samson. Okay. And Samson was in the Colosseum of the Philistines. Samson prayed to the Lord, give me the strength to kill these Philistines and to kill myself. Mm. So he pushed those pillars and the walls came tumbling down. And he killed thousands of Philistines and he killed himself. He prayed to kill himself. Would God help him sin? Right. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he was able to do it suggested what? That ain't, that ain't the unforgivable sin. Jesus said there's only one unforgivable sin, and that is blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. He said you can blaspheme against the Father, he'll forgive you. Blaspheme against the Son, he'll forgive you. Blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, he will not forgive you in this world nor in the world to come. But now does that mean that the Holy Spirit is going to be at the gate saying, hold on for a second now. You do realize <laughs> back in 1978 or right. 1995, right. you blasphemed against me. You can't come in. That's not what, you know, that's not the impl- that's not what Jesus implies. Uh, so explain what blasphemy is. Blaspheming is when you, um, in a sense, um, bear false witness against the Holy Spirit. Mm, which is back to lying again. And what Jesus, what, what, what God was said, what these things do the Lord hate. Right. Right. It's when you do that to somebody, but he's saying, well, do the Holy Spirit, because he already told you he hated. Right. He ain't gonna let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> right? you know? So that's basically it. So no, you know, do, uh, is there going to be that long list of, if it's a list of good God. Yeah. If we'd be there all 10, 15 years <laughs> just reading through the list. Yeah. As, yeah. So but you, that's that's good to hear. You always hear people talk about that. And even I use references like, you know, when I'm sitting there, this is going to be on that list. I was like, I already know it's going to be on the list. So I just got to just deal with it when when that time comes on Judgment Day. Thank you, Pastor. Is there anything else you'd like to bring before we close out? No, I, I just I just hope people are enlightened by this. And, and uh, if you if you like the topic, if you didn't like the topic, hey, if you didn't agree, then let us know. Yes. Not that we're going to change what we said because what we said was in the Bible. But let us know so we can help you understand more and so we can have a dialogue. And if you're out there and you want to be a part of the discussion, then let us know and we'll invite you in. Yeah. So we can have a good dialogue about it. And then one good thing, Pastor, is that I got a new setup now and we are able to take phone calls into the system. So if you want to, if you're not physically in the Hampton Roads area, but you want to call into the show and be part of a guest, be a part of the show, you can. So thank you all so much. Also. Make sure that if you want to make a, like they're going to comments on YouTube and post your questions and, and have a discussion about this. I think this topic is really something that really needs to be discussed. You see this on Facebook, same thing. Put your comments in the comment box. And if you got any direct questions for pastor, just DM me or DM the Enoch Baptist church um, on Instagram or on Facebook. Thank y'all so much. This is your host, CB Baker. The next time. 